You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Alrighty, welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. Today's guest is a very powerful and juggernaut of a person in the music industry. He's become a friend of mine, and uh, I appreciate his time and all the wisdom he's given me. Welcome to the show, Mike Mowry. Hey, what's up, James? Oh, we're clapping. We're we're clapping. (laughs) We're going to probably have to get a clap track in there. That's right. Well, thanks for being on, man. I... I, um, like I said, I've I've been following you and talking to you for a little bit now, and uh, you're one of those people that everyone seems to know who you are. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you stick around long enough and do what we do for long enough, then uh, fortunately, uh, I do seem to know a lot of people, and um, I'm really grateful for that. I've, I've been doing this a while and have run in the same circles for quite some time and have really forged some fantastic relationships throughout this business, so it's nice to hear that people still know me. Absolutely. Well, like I said, most people that I talk to you or talk to know who you are, but let's assume someone out there listening doesn't know who you are. Can you kind of give the quick elevator pitch on your career and, and what you're up to? Yeah, thanks for asking. I mean, you know, I've been doing music, music related things for the past 20, I guess, eight years. You know, the first probably 10 plus of that was through the DIY hardcore scene. You know, I grew up a little straight edge kid and we put on shows in our basements or living rooms and we put out records and we did zines and we traveled and, you know, started a band and, or I didn't start a band. I joined a band. We went on tour. We did all of that. And, you know, it was incredible. Um, it was like so adventurous and, you know, so fulfilling and really prepared me in some ways to do what I do now. Um, I always gravitated towards like the organizational side of things. I was, I wasn't really a musician though. I played in a band. Um, I'll let you figure out how that works. Uh, but you know, I was good at logistics and I liked doing logistics and, you know, I had no intentions of really being in the music business. In fact, the DIY hardcore scene we were in was kind of anti-business. It was, that's why we were doing it ourselves. We didn't need the business. We didn't need anybody to validate us. We thought that the whole process was super cheesy to try to get signed and do all of that. You know, a little naive maybe in hindsight because I'm in the business now. And so my first foray into the actual business was through friends. Um, I got an opportunity to tour manage and turns out I was pretty good at that. Um, Knew a lot of it. I knew how to get around. I knew how to sort things and, you know, deal with people and settle tours and settle shows and all that fun stuff. And you know, next thing, you know, I said, did that for five years all over the world. And it was really amazing experience. And, um, you know, I had so much fun doing it. And, you know, the beauty of hindsight is I can gloss over all of the challenges that were there just as a whole. It was incredible and, um, really allowed me to start to get to know people in the business, booking agents, promoters, 
some of whom I'm still friends with today. And, um, you know, from there I got asked to, you know, right when I was trying to look to get off the road, cause it wasn't really serving me any longer. Um, I got asked to manage a band, you know, again, friends of mine who are like, Oh, we need a manager. And you kind of seem like, you know what you're doing. And lo and behold, I started managing a band and, and that just sort of led to this adventure of starting a company and continuing to manage that band amongst other bands and eventually starting a label and having a coaching platform and then starting a podcast network and all of this stuff. Right. And, and then at some point it seemed like it made sense for me to go work for a larger company, which maybe is a little bit backwards from what other people do. Most people work at large companies, get all that experience, and then they go out on their own. But uh, this is my path. And, you know, so I started working at a company called 10th Street Entertainment here in Los Angeles back in 2018. And uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. You know, I manage a couple bands over there. I manage a band called Ice Nine Kills and I manage a band called Solence from Sweden. And um, I'm really excited about both of those. And I took the podcast network that I was one of the founders of and sort of ended up merging that in with the guys from Sound Talent, you know, good friends of mine, Dave Shapiro, Tim Bohr, and Matt Anderson. And, uh, you know, it's been a really cool way to continue that part of the business that I I was passionate about. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm up to. I don't, you know, this is a long elevator ride. We've gone to the top, <laughs> back down to the bottom and, and up to the top. But, you know, that's it. And it's kind of crazy to even just, you know, summarize it for me. So I don't know how that is for you. What a wild journey. I mean, I heard about you a few years back when I really just started stateside. And I was getting into managing and you were clearly one of the people that I kept hearing of. And I, you know, I looked up to and outer loop was for me, something I really admired that what you had done, something about you, I really like, and, and people like you, you know, Shapiro, Tim, Matt, who are also my partners now with, with stateside, which is funny, by the way, that we're all kind of, <laughs> eventually we're all part of the sound talent. It's all so incestuous, dude. Yeah, exactly. We're all one big mafia in the end. But I just like the lessons learned from people like you is to to not overthink this, to involve yourself with cool people doing cool shit, and opportunities will start opening for you. Opportunities you didn't you never knew existed when you, when you first started tour managing or even playing. Go further back when you first started playing a band, you couldn't even fathom where you are today because that that wasn't even part of the plan. Yeah, I mean you're exactly right. I appreciate it. You know, I think. It can be hard to to live by that ethos of just, you know, find good people and work with them because at some point you also have yeah. to make a living. And, you know, my experience is those of us, the names you've mentioned who, you know, they've been around as long as I've been managing, you know, we're all kind of like lifers, I guess. And I don't know if we chose to be lifers or if it chose us. There's something in us that just still wants to show up and do this. And we're passionate about, uh, you know, I'm passionate about people for sure. I'm passionate about the music and the artists and it's just, yeah, it's super cool. I feel very lucky to be able to to continue to do this at this stage of my life and my career. Me too. I, I right there with you. I just spent three days down in San Diego with, with those guys from Sound Talent. And I mean, the level of like, I feel blessed energy I had when I came home, it's like, I can't believe this is, this is happening. This is my life. You know, it's, it's impressive what they've put together. It's impressive what people like you have accomplished. And yeah, I mean, I'm just so stoked to be part of this community now and, and really be doing it full time. So you manage Ice Nine. One of the bands you and I were talking about to, to work with the producers I manage, uh, they're from Sweden. Sorry, the other band, Solens. Yeah. Solens is the name of that band. Yeah. For the Swedish artist. Yep. And who are some of the other artists you've been a part of over the years? 
Well, the first band, you know, I mean, if we go back to the tour management days, you know, the International Noise Conspiracy, which was, you know, uh, Dennis, who sang in the band Refused. It was his band after Refused broke up in 98. They came, Noise Conspiracy came over to the States in 1999. Uh, and, you know, I was a guy with a van and they needed somebody to drive them to three shows and they had a good friend who was also a good friend of mine and he couldn't do it. And they said, ah, oh, Mike's got a van, like, you know, let him do it. And, you know, so that, and that's those three shows turned into a five week us tour with bands like at the drive in and murder city devils. And, you know, we just, so that was, you know, the start of it. And then the first band I managed was darkest hour, you know, metal band from Washington, DC. They were signed to victory records. They were doing Ozfest in 2004 and, um, you know, some of the notable artists that I've managed since then, uh, you know, I, I uh, was responsible for the development of a band called We Came as Romans. Um, I worked with a guy named Devin Townsend. I worked with an artist named Periphery. Um, and there's been, you know, tons of others in there, you know, and I was fortunate to be a part of the Refused reunion and managed them for a number of years, co-managed them with... Uh, a great guy in Sweden. And yeah, I mean, there's been tons of artists in between. Well, it's something I ask everyone, Mike, and I, I'm curious what your take on this is. Just generally speaking, let's assume someone's listening and they want to work in the music industry, either on this side of the fence that you and I are on, or they want to be an artist. They want to actually perform and, and make records. What is your general vibe on the current state of the music industry? Man, that's a pretty loaded question. I know it is. You know, my vibe is pretty positive, frankly. I think, you know, going back to the DIY, you know, ethos that I had in the 90s, like there's so many opportunities to do things yourself in this business. Like the only thing stopping anyone from doing it is themselves. I mean, there's really no excuse. And there was no excuse back then either. Uh, evidently, it's just, you know, I think... So that's really exciting for anyone anywhere who wants to get involved. You know, the other part of that, and again, you know, it hasn't been easy. I've had probably more struggles than I've had successes in this business. Uh, for some reason, I've been okay to struggle through, right? I don't know if that's the sickness in my head or just, you know, pure stupidity. I, I don't know the answer to that. Or maybe it's just I didn't have any control over it. And as you said, you know, something's just guiding me and I'm, you know, who knows where I'll end up. I'm excited to see where the next 20 plus years of the music business for me go. But if you're out there listening and, you know, you want to be in a band or you want to be, uh, you know, uh, a TikTok star, I mean, get at it. You know, the beauty of the DIY part for us in the 90s was, you know, we weren't trying to be anybody. I mean, that, you know, we were just trying to do what we thought was cool and fun and supportive you know we supported our friends we supported the people that were doing things and that's like such a good energy to have again i'm kind of glossing over it. anybody who knows me from back then i'm sure I, my attitude was different and i'm sure my behavior was different but like that's really what the spirit of it was and that can be what the spirit of things are for people today i love that what a great answer it's such a weird thing mike because you know, back in the 90s, I'm 38. I remember a time pre-internet. You know, we're one of the last generations to have grown up as children. Junior high age is right when the internet really became a regular part of Americans' lives or everyone's lives for that matter. And it, it changed the music industry in a way that is really hard to even comprehend. I mean, we went from having physical products that were overcharged. You know, the profit margins were insane for labels. 
absolutely bananas. You know, and then it went from a time where people were just outright stealing music. And then it kind of just worked itself out. And I think we're, we're kind of coming on the other side of that, where artists can be profitable streaming. It can be profitable touring again, you know, especially post-COVID. So it's exciting. It's like the, the days of the 90s where, you know, hey, I started a band in Seattle and they're just handing out record deals. And it, it was like a lottery ticket. You know, you fucking won the lottery if you got signed back then. It was a huge deal. Now it's, it's a little different. You know, labels have a different role altogether managers have a different role everyone has a different role in this thing and, and i think it's on our side of the industry it's made us prove our value a little bit more that's just the case you know a lot of artists don't need managers yet they don't need booking agents yet they don't need labels yet and eventually they will and it's going to make the time will come where it makes sense for them to do that same with producers and mix engineers i mean i talk myself out of a job all the time <laughs> like you just you know, just chatting with you and getting to know this producer. It's like, I just don't think you're a good candidate for management. You seem to be doing fine without it, or you're just not there yet. Right. And I think that to have a positive outlook on the industry that you do is wildly exciting for me because it, it really forces us to, to do the thing that we actually are good at and that we really love doing because the barrier to entry is not really there anymore. There, like you said, there is no excuse whether you want to start start a band or be a TikToker, be a manager, booker, whatever, you know, you have to just go and do it and involve yourself with people doing it. And you'll kind of, you'll carve out a path for yourself eventually. Yeah. I think that's well said. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's a wild time. I, like you said, I'm pretty excited to see where this thing goes in 20 years. I mean, with the advent of like the blockchain and not to get too blocked down in that. Cause I am certainly no expert on that field. You know, there's all you can eye roll at a lot of that stuff, but I think it is going to provide, you know, like NFTs and shit like that. I think it's going to provide a different source of income for artists, a different value asset for people. And that's stuff that like, again, I couldn't have fathomed when I was 15 years old. And now we're here talking over a, a screen like in Star Trek <laughs> via the Internet. And it's it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I ran into a guy last night and, um, you know, he was a little bit older than me and, uh, you know, somehow music came up and he and he had a band and he asked if I had a CD player and I had to think and I'm like, I, I don't. I Maybe the car has one, but I right. don't listen to CDs in the car. If you'd have told me that, you know, as I hold up my iPhone, if, if you know, that I could listen to anything Ever made. in the world, yeah, more or less. You know, there's a couple things right. that <laughs> I'd like to, to to see that are obscure from the 90s that, you know, I mean, the record label I ran in the 90s, most of our stuff isn't on Spotify. And part of it might be because I haven't taken the efforts to do it. But, you know, I looked for masters and looked for some of that stuff. And it's, you know, there's other ways around that, but it hasn't been a priority. But yeah, I mean, by and large, I can listen to anything that yeah. I want at any time. I have always been excited by new endeavors within the business. I think if we're not changing you know, we're stagnating. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned is you don't always have to be first. So, you know, I think the NFT space and blockchain in particular, yeah, I think it's exciting. Uh, I've tried to talk a little bit with, um, you know, some of the artists I manage and, and the artists at the company that I manage. And, you know, it's some of them want to be a little bit patient and see how it shakes out and let the, the pioneers, if you will, go out and and forge the, the path and and make the mistakes like being first isn't always it can be a very rewarding place but it doesn't always mean that 
So I will just, you know, go on record whether whether it's those two specific things that you mentioned or something else. Like I'm excited about the change that's coming. What I've watched in the time, you know, since I've been managing bands, which it was in 2004, so that's going on um, 18 years, is there's always people who are having success, right? There's always bands that have success or artists, I should say. There's always management companies and managers. There's always booking agents and all of that. So the idea that because it's changed, you know, uh, prohibits me from being successful is asinine to me. I agree. Well said. Mike, just out of curiosity, what what do you think makes a good music manager? It's a, it's a tough job and it involves so many, you have to wear so many hats. It's, it's a hard thing to explain. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You know, I did a lot of time when I was first doing my coaching platform and, you know, earlier on, you know, I used to define and I have an ebook that's still available, uh, you know, for free download. And, um, you know, I, I, I used to, I heard, you know, Ben Weinman, a good friend of mine, plays in a band Dillinger, played in a band. Dillinger, oh yeah. Huge fan. Huge fan. You know, he, you know, he was a self, he was a self manager more or less. He managed his own band for most of their career. You know, he always used to describe it, you know, management as as not what is but what isn't you know and basically <laughs> you take all the roles and if any of them are are missing right the roles being a booking agent a label an attorney whatever it may be um you know merchandiser like if they're not there the manager's got to figure out the solution for it you know i really try to take a an approach that's um full scope if you will like I've watched managers come in so many different routes. I came from the tour manager route, more or less. There's XAR guys. There's people who used to work in the merchandise business. There's people who were publishers. There's, you know, all booking agents who have become managers. And to me, like what I've seen in the last few years is I'm trying to build a team that creates this incredible foundation for the artist to flourish. And you know, plenty of managers who are really good, like promotions guys. And there's plenty of managers who are super creative and they'll come in and advise an artist. And like, it doesn't mean that I can't do those things and I haven't played that role. But like, for me, what I'm really trying to do is ensure that every avenue of our business, whether that be in from the creative front or just from the like nuts and bolts front, we we've got someone in that position who is able to really make an impact, right? So I'm managing a team, more or less. Yes, I'm creating opportunities, but basically I get to do what I love doing. I get to talk yeah. to people yeah. all day long. I get to talk to booking agents, talk to attorneys, talk to merchandise companies, talk to my artists, most importantly, and figure out what is it that they need to have that foundation set so then they can go and experiment right and and figure out for them to flourish for them to hone their vision because i've been in the place where i've tried to be the visionary never works it might work for a short amount of time but i'm here to build careers not build moments well said because that's that's something i try to make pretty clear as a producer manager you know i i often start the conversation with what i don't do you know what i'm not a booking agent that's one thing i'm not that doesn't mean that we're not going to go help scout and and help find better opportunities and, and bigger acts or whatever genre you want to work in but by and large a producer's career uh, a band's career should be 
self-sustaining. Like you, like you said, it's their vision. It's their craft. It's their art. You're there to just help facilitate that and support them and reverse engineer all the things that they don't have so that they can flourish, like you said. And, you know, I get hit up all the time from the 20 year old producer who just got a Pro Tools rig and he's got two clients and he's like, I'm ready for a manager. <laughs> you know, can, can you go find me a bunch of work? It's like, that's, that's not quite what we do. And so with that said, I, I'm curious when you think, when is the right time for a band to find a manager? Yeah. I mean, I think that will vary depending on the artist, depending on the genre and depending on the day of the week that I answer yeah. this question. Um, but by and large, I think that there needs to be something that exists that we can help, you know, develop. There needs to be something to manage, create opportunity. So if I saw, you know, somebody busking and I just thought that their talent was so undeniable and that there, it was wasted on them busking and I could create an opportunity for them to do more, right? I could come in and, and, you know, start to quote unquote manage that part of it. That's not really what I do, right? I'm not out looking for talent in that capacity, but, you know, take the artist Solens from Sweden that I work with who, you know, we picked them up during a pandemic. They had over a million monthly listeners on Spotify and 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. These are guys who are creating great music and creating great content. And so they, you know, from our perspective, yeah, we wanted to be able to help connect the dots. Like, how can we build out the rest of that team? You know, and so the understanding isn't like, I'm not going to go all of a sudden become their marketing team. Right. But if we decide, as we've been doing, self releasing music up until now and need to bring in people to elevate what we're doing marketing wise, I'm going to spearhead five conversations with people who I think can help us market it. Right. And I do that in all of the different, I'm kind of drawing with my hands, silos, if you will. And the silo, you know, roles, booking side, you know, music release side, merchandise side, publishing side you know, creative side, whatever it may be, those are those silos. I like to try to, you know, develop all of those in parallel, understanding that some are going to be higher, you know, or further along than others, but have that vision. So it's all kind of growing and coming together and being able to pinpoint where I think things maybe need adjusting. Um, or if things are really working to throw some fuel on. So you really ask like, when is a band ready to be managed? I don't really think I did a great job of giving you a, a succinct okay. answer there because there is no succinct answer to me. It's going to vary, you know, no matter what. That's interesting. I, you know, I, something to kind of pivot to something else, Mike, it, while you were talking, I was thinking about the type of bands you've managed, the type of bands you manage now. And I'm using the word band. You've managed artists for sure, mm -hmm. but by and large, it's been bands you know, more than two people. And even more specifically, it's been rock bands, at least more in that genre than not. And same same for me, same for a lot of the people we know and work with. We clearly come from a rock setting. That's, that's just sort of our lineage. With that said, you and I both are old guys that come from the 90s and early 2000s. We remember a time where, I should say, we've seen genres come and go and be popular at one time, 
and then kind of fall off the cliff. And then now it's hip hop's moment or pop's moment or whatever. How, how do you feel about rock as a genre in the music industry? Are you hopeful for it as a genre or do you just think everything has just changed and it's, there is no moment. It's all just kind of chaos. I don't know if I'm the best qualified to answer that. I'll say that like, I do manage rock bands, you know, rock and metal primarily. And I am able to make a living doing it. And I don't see that living going away. Thankfully, I only see it growing. So I am excited about it. You know, I think I could manage any artist in any genre. That said, the reason that I continue to stay in rock is that's where most of these relationships are. So that's where most of the opportunities come from. But I've watched friends who've managed rock bands have a person that they know or like, you know, break out and go into another genre got a guy at the company i work with who you know has really spent a lot of time with country acts and is really starting to have success there and part of it is being able to understand what is good versus what is bad in in terms of what's you know musical talent but really it's about the relationships and so i don't know I, i i feel fine with where rock is and where it's continuing to go i i don't spend a ton of time you know prophesizing about the you know the future of the business or the future of the genre which by the way i think that's that's a good optimistic outlook in itself i liken it to you know not to get into politics but prior to trump say we had someone like obama as the president whether you liked him or not whether you agreed with him politically or not and half the country didn't most of americans didn't really think about the president right most most of us just kind of went along our day because it wasn't a constant reminder that some lunatic was in the office or not. And I think, I think that's kind of what you're getting at is that rock music, there's, there's no need to really lament on whether it's going to be really profitable in the future or if it's going to have another moment like it did in the nineties. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant because people like you and I are supporting ourselves off that music. I'm paying my mortgage mostly by, by rock genre music work and we know a ton of people that are there's people that are playing tours all around the world a few thousand or more people a night making money collecting royalties <laughs> you know like it's, there's a whole industry there for rock music so that, that's that's interesting to hear because i you know you hear people shit on it all the time that you know pop and hip-hop is the only thing that's relevant right now and it's just not the case I was going to say, if I was operating in pop and hip hop, maybe I'd be saying the same thing. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe, right? Yeah. Because on, to your point of view to, or to their point of view, rather, maybe that is a relevant way of thinking that, you know, all, all you see is, you know, the, the rappers and the pop artists, you know, Doja Cat is, here's the irony though. Doja Cat is one of the biggest artists on the planet. And one of my producers is nominated for a record with her, but he's some hardcore kid from Portland. You know, the group listening to Refuse and the bands that you managed. And now here he is working with some like Doja Cat. So it's all just becoming a muddy mess. Machine Gun Kelly somehow is a punk pop punk guy. Now I'll leave that up to you to decide if he is or isn't. That doesn't, who cares what we think is the point. It doesn't matter what we think. The only thing that matters is the market. The only thing that matters is is there a financial support for this music? And there clearly is in, in all genres. 
And I think that's a very lovely thing. I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm just super hopeful for the chaos. The the chaos of the current state of the industry is what in some <laughs> in some weird way is the stability. You know, Shapiro and I were talking about this the other day that it's so often that he and I will hear like I'm sure you, this happens to you all the time. You'll hear of a band or an artist and and you've never heard of them. You've it's literally the first time you've ever heard of them. You have no idea who they are, or what they're about. And then you look into it and it's like, oh, there's a there's a whole thing here. There's a touring circuit they're a part of, a fan group, a financial support system for them, labels, and the whole thing. And it's the first time you've ever heard of them. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of the business, you know, even, you know, Einstein Kills, who's not a household name, you know, they're, they've got this incredible niche audience. And so I think example. that, you know, is probably part of that. And once you get exposure then yeah. you're like oh yeah you know it's sort of like if somebody mentions a type of car and you know you, i don't know I'm not a car guy but you know i saw one of those and then all of a sudden i've got some awareness and i start seeing more of those so that's right yeah ice nine is a, a great example of that sort of thing my parents certainly don't know who they are right but but they but they you know they, they play pretty packed fucking shows everywhere they go and they're making decent money so it's great yeah starting a tour this week with uh a slew of sold-out shows, over 4,000 people in ETH market, so Dude, we'll take that. Yeah, I, I mean, Ice Nine, I think, are probably our shared friend, Finn McKenty. You know Finn, right? I do know Finn. Shout out, Finn. Shout out, Finn. He did a beautiful breakdown sort of video on, on this band. Uh, highly recommend it for anyone that hasn't checked Finn's YouTube channel, The Punk Rock NBA. Yeah, and you know, it's such a good point. Like guy like Finn who's willing to do a whole yeah. bunch of research and and put it into a digestible manner. Like I love that, you know? I think him and or the the people that are on the forefront of the business, I'm going to allow them to worry about whether or not the genre is progressing in the way that it's supposed to or have the commentary on it, right? I'm just going to show up and work for my artists. So the reason that I, I think that I'm going to be okay, right, is I just described this lengthy career of opportunities presenting themselves. And it's if I look back the thread between all of it, and I haven't done any of it perfectly, and I've probably done more of it wrong than I've done right, the thread is people, right? I, I'm in the people business. And... <laughs> There's probably people that are listening saying, dude, you know, at the time I met you, you surely didn't seem to be in the people business, but I feel that that's where the intention comes from, right? And again, I've fumbled, I've stumbled, I've fallen, but where I am today with the beauty of a little bit of hindsight is cool. That's the thread. So all I need to do is continue to invest in people, right? Spencer from Ice Nine Kills is a perfect guy. People have asked me like, dude, you know, you've been working with him for eight or nine years. Did you see this coming? I'm like, I don't know what I saw coming. What I saw was a great guy, a guy that I get along with, that I like picking up the phone for and with every day. He calls me and says, hey, what are we doing here, here, and here? I call back and say, we're doing this, this, and this. And did you think about this, this, and this? And like, it's flourished into all those you know realms and beyond. You know, it's so exciting for me because we're in new spaces. He's just at a horror convention, you know, uh, I've never had an artist that's been, you know, uh, a guest at horror conventions. It's so exciting. You know, we're involved in all this amazing content and I give that guy all the credit because it's his vision, but I get to be a part of it. And again, it all stemmed because not because I thought that when I met him nine years ago, he was going to be a horror celebrity. It's because I thought he was a really good dude and had a vision and a passion. And that's what 
I'm here for, whether it's rock, hip hop, EDM, TikTok rappers, you name it. Like I'm, that's what I'm here for is the people. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And I would also give yourself some credit there, Mike, that there's another through line through all of that. And that's you. I mean, you're, you're a consistent figure in this story. Like you said, you've fallen, you've gotten back up, you've made a ton of mistakes. Who hasn't? Yeah, so I, I would pat yourself on the back a little bit there. Kind of, sh- for those listening, he's patting himself on the back. Uh, shifting a little bit here, what do you think is some of the common mistakes that you see from bands? Like, what what are some of the just repeat things you see where they just shoot themselves in the foot? Man, that's a really good question. I think truly it's wanting to be three steps ahead of where they are. Yeah. Um, at any given time. And I can't fault people for that. I, you know, there's days that I want to be three steps ahead of where I am. And so a huge part of it is just, you know, as I talked about, my goal and, and job is to create this foundation is that they don't have a foundation created. Even if they do have the success that, you know, they're able to jump those steps, it's built on something that can crumble pretty quickly. Um, and if they don't have the steps, there's just, you know, instead of working together, like, I participated in this. It's like I, I came from a world where I think there's like scarcity, where if one band makes it, it, they stole my opportunity. If one band gets a tour, they took my opportunity. And that's just not really how it works. There's an abundance of opportunities for artists. And, you know, there's times I'd miss out on something and I'd be so frustrated, uh, you know, for the artist or the artist would be frustrated. And, you know, it just caused all this bickering and infighting. And it doesn't need to happen that way. So, you know, to me, like the biggest challenge is the nuts and bolts aren't there, but that's so hard to do. I mean, think back to when you were 18, 19, and 20. I couldn't put nuts and bolts into place. I just couldn't do it. No. The irony is part of what makes artists so great is that, is that they're dreaming and they're thinking ahead and they're thinking this could be bigger and better. And what if we do this? And when do we try that? But there is a reality to this thing that it takes time and you have to have a foundation. God, that's, that's so interesting to, to hear you say that. Cause that's, I, you're right. When I was that age, oh my God, I was like, why aren't we playing stadiums? And why am I doing this? I'm, man, I still struggle with being impatient, you know, and it's, um, I think also for us, we're trying to set examples in some way. If if anyone in this conversation is supposed to be the, quote, responsible one, it's people like us. And we should be setting an example for our artists or producers that we represent to be patient. And that this everyone uh, will get their turn. If, if you work hard and you make good decisions, good things will happen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's just, there's such a difference between the fierce determination. If you'd asked me when I was doing this stuff at a younger age, if I had the fierce determination that it took to stay here at any cost, I'd have told you yes, but I don't know if, if I would have known or believed that. You know, what I've watched happen in my career is bands have some idealism like you've described. Uh, you know, I think the thing I was going to say is, I think it's important for artists to figure out how to be unique. Um, and that does take time, but you know, again, when we all started out playing, I mean, uh, you got to learn how to, you know, how do you learn? You learn by copying yes, and, or, you know, um, being influenced and, you know, the artists that really shine through have something different and unique to add to the stream of music. It's not always clear. You know, some artists are able to do that with their first album when they're 18 and some artists it takes 15 years to do it when they're in their 30s 
Uh, but that truly is what sets artists apart is having something unique to offer. Well said. I think that goes for not just bands or artists, but really any vocation that you, you get into being an entrepreneur, business owner, a manager, whatever, you know, you have to have a unique skill set that adds value in a way that maybe someone else doesn't next to you. Yeah. And I, it's funny. You mentioned the being unique. I mean, you meet, you're obviously talking about unique in all the ways, but clearly the, the main one is in genre and how you sound and how you come across to the world. It's so funny to me that there are so many bands. You and I can list off 20 bands that all sound very, especially in metal, metalcore, post-hardcore, this whole, it's so like, wow, what is the difference in band A to band B? And they'll have a career because it's, it's, it's good. It's quality, but it is that thing. And I think there is an expiration to that thing. And, you know, bands are always surprised that they get a two to three year run and then it kind of just fades out. It's like, well, that's, that's why you didn't really reach past that original inspiration that you had as a young artist. You didn't create this, this own, your own identity in this thing. Yeah. I mean, there's so much magic that has to happen, you know, in order for an artist to not only be successful, but maintain success. You know, as you were describing that, I'm thinking about, okay, you know, why is Green Day where they are and you know yeah one they're incredibly talented but they weren't the only talented band from that time but you know they figured out how to stay together and to continue to want to do it right i mean at this point why do they continue to do it they got all the money they need right and why 10 years in did you know one of them not sleep with the other's wife or if they did you know how did they work through that like it takes so much other stuff other than the talent in order to allow for a band or an artist to have a long-term sustainable successful career yeah i I think of bands like green day just off the top of my head who are some of the bands that like have known each other since they're 15 green day muse is one of them kind of a random one uh well i mean u2 is a crazy example they're like stadium rock but yeah they i mean they quite literally grew up with each other another one is deftones I mean, obviously they've had a few members come and go either not by choice or, or by choice, but by and large, these are people that grew up together, went in high school together. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to be learned by that, like loyalty and consistency. And like you, you you've said a few times now, this is a people business. We are in the business of people. And I think artists kind of lose sight of that. They, they get focused on the music, which clearly you should. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, they have to remember they're, they're in business and they're in partnership with people. And um, that's going to take you a long way. Yeah. I mean, speaking for myself, like I, you know, though I can look back at that thread and again, I can laugh at, you know, I wasn't always the best with people. So how do you become better with people? Well, you come from experience, you hit some sort of roadblock and have to figure that out and double down. So, you know, again, if you'd have told me when I was touring Europe in 1995, when I'm like staying with a guy and, uh, you know, the band we're with is broken down for a week and we're staying with a guy and we like are mad at the guy because we're pissed off because we're stuck, right? Like that's not a good example of how to interact with people. But through that hardship over and over and over again, the guy's like banging my head against the wall a hundred times. And then finally it's like, oh, 
Right. I should, you know, whatever. I've got to look at the opportunities for the positive impact that they yeah. have. So I don't know. I guess this is all to say, frankly, like I don't freaking know anything. Right. Uh, all I have is my experience. And, you know, for artists and other people trying to get into this business, like get in, get your hands wet and get some experience because no one can tell you how to do it. We can show you, we can tell you how we did it and you can use that as hope and inspiration. But the only way to get out there and do it is to do it on your own and take that guidance from someone. Absolutely. Well, with that, Mike, I think that's probably a good place for us to end this delicious episode. Where can people find you, man? Well, let's see. The company is 10th Street Entertainment. It's not my company. It's the company I work for. It's 10thst.com. Is that right? 10thstreet.com. That makes about sense. I mean, you can find me on Instagram. Is the main place I hang out, at Mike Oloop, M-I-K-E-O-L-O-O-P. The coaching website's still up, outerloopcoaching.com. There's not a lot of activity there at the moment, but um, you know, I did mention that downloadable ebook. I'm sure there's a link there. You can shoot an email over and um, we'll get you sorted. It's It was a fun thing to do a few years ago, and I still love and am passionate about that stuff. But, you know, I, thankfully I've got these other opportunities that are keeping me busy. And um, yeah, I really appreciate chatting with you. I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, the, the steps you've made in your career and what the future holds because yeah um you know good guys partnering with other good guys is a win for everybody amen well thank you for saying that and and thanks for the time again mike we appreciate it man Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.